Kia ora and welcome to the Creative Matters podcast, where we have inspiring conversations with New Zealand artists. I'm your host, Mandy Yakic. These conversations are intimate, uplifting and insightful. The guests on the show have absolutely enriched my life and I'm sure their stories will have the same effect on you. Thank you so much for joining me to listen to these amazing people speak about what drives them, the way they work and their personal takes on life. Hi, and a very warm welcome back to the Creative Matters podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. This week in episode 78, I'm speaking with Sean Hill. Sean is a Kiwi Samoan emerging visual artist from Auckland, currently based in New Plymouth. His art practice is influenced by graffiti as well as his heritage, everyday life, and the natural environment and includes painting outdoors, graphic design, installation, paintings and prints on clothing, as well as sculpture. As gallerist Scott Laurie says, Sean Hill is one of those rare discoveries, an emerging artist who was doing his own thing while inventing a new visual language at the same time. In this episode, Sean shares his experience studying visual arts for four years at AUT, which is a university in Auckland, Tamaki Makaurau, and how he felt he didn't really find his style until well after his uni days. We talk about the elements within his abstract paintings and what they represent. We also talk about how he feels about showing his work in group shows. Um. Because it gives a different feel, it mm. definitely does, and people get to see the world that you're creating as well, and it's, um, they can give you a little bit of answers or suggestions that you may not see. It's not like a critical point of, oh no, you shouldn't paint that, it's actually like, you should do more of this, why, mm. is this only one you're doing? His connections with the amazing Bradley Lane Project, which is Auckland's longest-running street art festival in Glen Innes, Tamaki, and we discuss the amazing eight-metre-long painting he applied directly to the wall of the Scott Laurie Gallery and what he gained from that experience. Sean is a beautiful, humble person who I absolutely loved meeting and talking to. Hello, Sean. Hi. Nice to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really great to have you here. I've heard a lot about you. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, hearing all about your amazing story. Can <laughs> you take us back to where you were raised and what sort of childhood you had? Yeah. So, I was born and raised in Manirewa, so South Auckland. Um, childhood was... Yeah, it was a lot of sketching and drawing from when I was young. About, th- I was doing uh, three-hand sort of stuff, comics, everything, DC comics. And so what I would embed was trying to really appropriate from a poster and draw freehand by hand with a vision to try and capture different parts of a certain body part because I was interested in formats and structures so 
all of that sort of stuff was already there when I was young. Mm. So embedded from um, just wanting to draw all the time, even in classrooms. <laughs> yeah. Even at high school all the yeah. time. Yeah. So it was something that became constant. Yeah. Yeah. And were your family creative people and or did they encourage you with your creativity? Yeah, so my my family is they encouraged me definitely, but I'm the only artist in my family, so it's an interesting concept. Um or place to be as an artist, to be um creative one in your family, but it's kinda of good because you open up a world that your family would never see. Mm. and vice versa, your friends will never see. And then when they see your stuff, they're like, oh, wow, you're really doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you're really an artist. You're going to uni and you're doing it. Okay. Yeah, yep. which is so incredible. And so uh, as you went through high school, were you taking all the art subjects and were you actually thinking that it might be something you could make a career of? Yeah, well, it was funny. I was in art class and my teacher um Kate Lobb and then I had art design which was with uh Lara Sexton. So both teachers were very supportive in both um design and painting. I was pretty poor at painting myself, but they were very encouraging. They were really um they would back you up mm. even though you weren't confident and I think that's what we needed when I was going um, to high school out south because everyone's so much into sport. So I was like, oh, why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> why are you staying late to finish off your board? So doing that, I think, was the most predominant subject that I really love, mm. apart from doing other things like economics and all that stuff. I mm. think art became one of my things that I really loved because it was expressing what was internally going on. In, yeah. in me, yeah. And what school were you at, Sean? I went to Papakura High School, yeah, yeah. And Sean, I was uh, researching you and found a very cute photo of you at 17 years old. <laughs> um, and there was an article in, um, I think it was Stuff, one of the New Zealand sort of news platforms, talking about you winning an amazing award. mm and um, that resulted in your work being made into a giant mural. Yeah. So yeah. can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that was an interesting concept. So um, from high school, Lara Sexton, our design teacher, um, put my name in um, as a competition. So they had a call out to go to all the schools around Auckland. And so I was one of the artists or one of the students at that time uh, that was selected to do um, the competition. So it was brand new to me because I don't know what competitions are. I just make work. Um, and what was very complicated is that I didn't have the teachers around to talk about my ideas because usually I go back and forth with them. So we had artists um, that were professional that would tutor us and see if we were okay for I think it was like a five-day workshop or two, three-day workshop. So it was quite hammering, like you got to get it done. Mm. <laughs> you got to have a concept, you got to get it done. Wow. And if you don't get it done, then it'll be a half sort of embedded art 
piece to go into the competition. Yeah. So did you yeah. what what were they actually wanting you to do? Is like a painting on paper at that point? So they actually it was such a it was such a um predominant point where they didn't give you a theme, which was great. They just said, We love your artwork. Can you do that in that style? And that was uh, all five of the um for the other students. So we just done our own style. Um, I struggled at the first day because everyone was just hammering out. And I was sitting there and I was like, I've got nothing to do. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know what to draw. And then I just looked at my watch. And so I just took it off my wrist and I just said, what if I could capture emotions for how humans look at time and all these sort of emotions I wanted to pop out as characters floating um, out from the watch and then I gave the cape onto the watch just as an abstract form to be a bit weird <laughs> like why does a watch have a cape and mm. it's bursting out all these little characters so that was just a really simple effect on how time is very crucial to a lot of people and not to a lot of um, a lot of other people so the colors just came as a play of just doing as bright as I could. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And did you kind of create the drawing in that workshop and then paint paint it? So yeah, that was actually um, all on Photoshop. Oh. It was drawn by hand, then scanned it. Um, and our tutors, our artist tutors that were there, they were good. They were helping all of us. They weren't biased. They weren't, oh, we'll help. <laughs> mm. Should have one that looks better. They were actually helping each of us. And so... What made it st stand out was, for me, was the tutor saying, you should put a yellow background. Don't use a white background because it looks a bit flat. So the yellow popped out and then that's when the contrast of colours started to happen for me. Mm. And understanding that um, an arrangement of colours was, yeah, the standpoint. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. Mm. And then you won the award. What was the award called? So the award was uh, Tatui Youth Art Award. So it was a billboard. So you got your artwork blown up. And it was shown at the Vodafone Event Center, which is called the Duro, uh, Dua Drop um, for uh, events. So it's changed its name now. But, yeah, that used to be displayed to the motorway. Yeah. So oh, everyone fantastic. used to see it. Yeah, it was such a surprise and... I actually don't think I was going to win it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> it was that's a bit, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big process to go through for a 17-year-old to be mm. put into that kind of slightly intimidating environment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And competing with other people with your artwork is something new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, just different but much needed and I appreciate my teachers for putting that push. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> teachers are amazing like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially art teachers, I think. And uh, you they made you feel that they believed in what you were doing, I guess. Mm, yeah. And so that really feels like quite a pivotal moment in your career yeah. where it sort of really helped you to, to decide what you were going to do with your art. Is that mm. right? Yeah, yeah. So it was, that was the point where I knew I wanted to do something digital, but I didn't know exactly what. So I knew I always wanted to get into animation, but 
when I went to AUT, I went into design um, course, which wasn't for me because I just I just didn't see myself there. I just had a vision that I just would drop out for some reason. So I said, oh, I said to my the head that was running the um, course, I said to him, I don't think I'll stay here I don't, and I don't want to leave uni. I want to go somewhere else. Is it okay if I go to visual arts? And he said, we got to make sure that you're okay. I can put your name forward and you can have a meeting with the other tutors from visual art. So, yeah, and then that happened. Mm. And so I crossed over within a week and um, it was just, yeah, it was and just meant to be. How long were you actually in the design faculty? I think I was there for about three weeks when I finally knew. And, and what it was, was it about it that made you feel like it wasn't for you? Um, I think it was the expense of gears that I knew wouldn't be affordable from what the other students had. So they had all the laptops, the gadgets, and I was just like, yeah, just freehand. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of was meant to be that I saw that world and it wasn't for me. Mm. Yeah, because I'm quite organic and it's been that way for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so great that you could actually get to that point where you thought, actually, you know, it's mm. not for me. Yeah, And yeah. so good that you could switch. And did you have to actually put in a portfolio of your paintings? So actually, yeah, I had like a portfolio ready of all my um, three-hand sketches and all that. Um, my designs from high school, which were all the designs, and then the billboard as well. Mm. But the tutor, he's funny because uh, you go to art school, you don't get taught how to paint when you go to AUT. They teach you how to think. Um, they teach you how to think outside of the box drastically <laughs> yeah it's not a simple thing of oh yeah paint on canvas like what is the canvas doing is it talking to the space and vice versa is the space talking to your artwork so he saw my stuff and he said oh yeah cool okay he just skipped through it <laughs> which was great it was it was a it was a cut down to the ego so and that's what you need those the tutors are quite critical but they they want the best out of you Mm. So he got me on board and met all the other tutors and, yeah, just went from there, yeah. So good. Mm. And you haven't looked back? Haven't looked back, yeah. I do look back on my honours, yeah. But at the same time, even though not knowing what I was creating in my honours year was meant to be because I went through a phase of working with pellets and so that was – where sort of the organic ideas and my practice are at right now. Mm. So all of that has come from. Yeah, that, started yeah, there. started there, yeah. And yeah. Um, you're talking about like wooden pallets? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so what were you actually doing at uni with those? So I was using them as what you could call like a installation, sculptural pieces, Um at that time, I was still quite confused in how to install them in ways where you could see through the pellets and see your artwork through the other side. So you're working with not a two-dimensional space, you're working with a three- to four-dimensional uh, viewing space. So that was quite hard to pull off because I was trying to work with it and it was quite new to me as well because previous years I would just work with anything and put it together 
and try and make paintings or painterly sculptures, mm. which was hard in the third year. So and the fourth year was still, even near the end of my last install, was quite hard to actually get something potent for me or get something that oh, okay, I'm happy with. I still wasn't happy when I graduated. Really? So, yeah, it was, it was all process-based as well. And I'm glad I didn't find anything um, at that point. And I was still trying to look for that perfect style of my practice. Mm. Yeah. And know. did you feel like a lot of other students were experiencing the same kind of thing, that they weren't finding their style? Or did you feel like you were kind of out away from everybody else in that way? Yeah, I was. I probably was. I think there were one or two, but they found it at the end, and um, you know, they 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 had really solidified practices and what they wanted to bring to the audience or have the community. So they had that really intact, whereas I didn't. So I was just like, okay, well, at least I made it through on this year. That's the main thing. Mm. <laughs> I done four years, and okay, we'll just go to work and just do art on the side and try and build it up. But it was even after honours, I still kept going. I had I was doing work and working full-time um, since 2016 and doing art full-time as well. So it was just trying to find that balance as mm. well. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's great that you didn't actually lose confidence or lose your sort of buzz for what you were doing when you sort of came out. I mean, were you feeling – a little despondent coming out of those four years without your sort of total groove set up. Were you expecting mm. that? Yeah, I was kind of, I was saddened, but I expected it because I didn't have enough concentration to actually look at the realistic point of what I'm doing with palettes. What is the actual point am I creating or tr trying to create for the viewer? I didn't even know myself, so... I knew at that point, I was like, okay, what I'm writing is struggling at this time, but it was well worth it because even through that struggle and not knowing what to do, I think it was the essence of process and I knew what process was for me at that time and I think that became more important than the outcome, even though I always like the outcome. <laughs> yeah. Coming from a designer background and back to the billboard was that was the outcome. I don't really get an outcome and honors and I don't know what to do with practice afterwards. So mm. yeah, it was interesting, but But it was, it's obviously really informed your practice now. Yeah, yeah. And so why why do you think you were interested in in the crates, in the um you call them crates? Yeah, yeah, crates, yeah. Pallets. Yeah. Or Pallets, Pallets yeah. 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 Or you could use both names, yeah. I mean, they both describe the same thing and the way you look at it, they are artworks as well. So that's the way I was seeing it. Um, but in terms of the writing, that I think that was the point where I struggled more so with the work as well. So it was the writing and creating work, mm. but I knew what I was trying to do was make the pellets into a valuable object where if you put it to the side of the road, it's invaluable. No one cares. You just use that as sort of a stepping stone to freight your stuff across the country. Um, so the point of view was just to create that as artworks and bring them into 
from an urban environment into a contemporary space. But even that time was more of a process-based year. Mm. It's definitely, definitely something that I wish I got more in depth with um, at that time. But now creating what I do now with the artworks is more, it's such a better point with, mm. with where I see where they're at. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you were just at the beginning of your journey, I guess, and you were still quite young. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely still trying to find my way. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's yeah. really hard for young people, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, to be at university or especially studying fine arts because it's it's really hard when you haven't had all that much experience out mm, in the world. Mm, yeah, and it's it's quite hard when you go from, high school straight into university mm, as well mm. it's such a um you could call a massive jump or massive level up if you took at least two years and worked or done things on the site and then went to university at least you can sort of embed like just the outside world and mm. experience from there yeah totally yeah, yeah. You've got more to reflect on. Yeah, definitely, mm. yeah. So what happened after university? You had your full-time job and you were trying to work as much as you could on your work. Yeah. What kind of work were you making at that point? So at that point I was just more or less going back into design, yeah. So with my book I had this head and it was of a um, emperor back in the day. So I created like an abstract form and abstract colours so working with design and calligraphy, all that sort of stuff on the side. And um, it was mainly to print onto shirts. So I was going back for how I used to screen print back in university. So that will kind of keep my keep my sort of uh, creativeness busy and what I was interested in to still keep on it mm. as a constant flow mm. rather than trying to make artwork that I wasn't happy with. I wanted to just take a break and just move on to something that I could actually go with and yeah. I know better. Yeah, yeah and that yeah. you enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. So were you doing a lot of drawing and still using the computer at all or just drawing and screen printing? Drawing, screen printing, computer, yeah. Um, I was painting on the side more on campuses, so I took a break from palettes and all that. So on the side was really, um, yeah, just to create different designs that would look quite unique on a garment and use it as a wearable artwork. So instead of making artwork as a canvas in a contemporary space, you could use a cloth which could be knitted into a shirt mm. or you could buy a shirt and print onto that and that's an artwork as well. So I was trying to formulate that base and, um, have messages through what I was creating at, at that mm. time. Yeah. So great. Yeah. And you're wearing a very cool hoodie at the moment with <laughs> yeah. some of your designs, designs yeah. and some of your paintings, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So my shorts is a full cover painting of my style that I do now. Oh, wow. And then my hoodie is um, more or less the heat press and screen print ideas that I do. And they're more like fun and gives me a bit of free time mm. um, compared to always painting. So it gives me that sort of break in between that I need. Mm. Yeah, I mean, You yeah. feel like you're not having to sort of turn on your brain as much possible. Yeah, yeah. Have a bit more playful fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So good. So you've got the fabric 
made into from your painting made into fabric. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, that was on an online um, place that I found, and yeah. So you just put your file up with your design, and they just couple your whole shorts and knits it together and send it off to you. So good. <laughs> you like a walking artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is brilliant. It's so so effective. Mm. And then from there, when did you start sort of thinking more about your painting practice? Yeah, so I think it was um so it was about seventeen, eighteen. I think it was when it started through um getting into the outdoor murals, um, and working with alongside Gary Sleeper. So then that's when everything started coming back. Yeah. So that was the change where I was like, Oh, okay, I can get back into painting now. <laughs> mm, and it felt good. Yeah, it felt at nice. At that point. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about um, that amazing project. Was that the Bradley Lane project at that point? Yeah. 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 Which, um, you know, we were just saying earlier, it's just such an inspirational project that's been going on for 10 years now, isn't it? Mm. And, uh, you know, the just the organisation of creating such an incredible community art-based project you know, with all these different people interacting with different roles and, and creating beautiful artwork. Mm. And it was for the Glen Innes area, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is so cool. And I thought, oh, no, I need to figure out how to do that for my yeah. northwest, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's it just feels like an overwhelmingly big project to take on. Mm. Mm. So uh, can you tell us about that and how you were involved? Yeah, so that was um – run and organized by Gary Sleeper for the past 10 years now. Um, so he organized all of that. So I met him a couple of times during uni. And then, yeah, just one time I met him and then he said, oh, I think you'll fit perfectly for outdoor mural organizer. Um, but prior to that, I was helping him with um, community murals with the youth up in Gleninus. So uh, we would whip up designs that were created by the younger um, youth and so together after he would formulate that design on that week but it would be sort of three weeks workshops and what that whatnot but when he finishes um, the design on that same week we would go out and paint it so that was when the large-scale um, painting came into place and yeah, from there it was. Um, he asked me if I wanted to be the organizer, the outdoor murals, and I was like, "Yeah, definitely." Mm, <laughs> so, that's so good. Yeah. And were you organizing artists or working with groups of youth or that kind of thing? So the Bradley Lane was um, is mainly constructed for artists and street art in Glenninus, giving back to the community, and so volunteers that were youth would paint with the artists. At times, um, it was hard to figure out timing to, you know, get the youth to meet the artists. Some of them would show up, some of them wouldn't make it at all. <laughs> so that was our little um, kerfuffle that we had, but most of the time it went really well. Mm. Um, and organising and looking after the artists, it was I met a lot of artists that were just really knew how to express their style and they were complete styles as well, street art, um, also contemporary as well, from my point of view. But a lot of it was street art and painting with brush 
on a large scale. So it was interesting to see the diversity that Bradley Lane had because a lot of people would think, oh, it's just, you know, artists painting over the weekend, but it was actually a lot of work behind. So being part of um, Bradley Lane with Gary Sleeper was a great experience mm. to see that world that a lot of people yeah. would never see. <laughs> totally. It's such a fantastic concept. Mm. And I guess you need different people doing different jobs within that sort of project and trying to find the spaces would yeah. be hard, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the difficult part that we had. Um, a lot of people said yes on the day and they said no. <laughs> yeah. So we had to make the change. And I think that's what I've taken on with my practice is that some people will say yes at the start and then you'll get a no later on because something has popped up and that's what's taken me on to go, oh, cool, yep, sweet, go on to the next project. So a lot of learning from that and how to just carry on and flow to a next space, mm. yeah, and make it work and not struggle and go, oh, why is this happening? Yeah, You just go with it and go, okay, cool not meant to be <laughs> yeah i really believe in that philosophy yeah, yeah. and uh, what kind of work were you creating for the murals at that point was it similar to what you're doing now so when i became the artist like after um the three to four years experience and being part of that role uh, when i came on it was the style that came just before covid hit and this was the first covid so my and my computer had all the designs that I was working on over the years, and I went back to them for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> it was kind of good, though. Um, I had all the 20 designs, and I was trying to morph them together um, in different ways for different clothing designs or ideas that I had. And then um, I left it and then woke up the next morning, and my photoshop app just completely glitched and morphed all of these designs together so they created an overlay an array of colors that were overlapping but they were solid colors so if you look at sort of um, acrylic sheets and one behind e each other it can be translucent like that but my work is more solid the colors are more solid and potent so i saw this and was pressing next and i was like oh this is, I can't get my designs back. I was a bit stressing out and I was like, oh no, these are cool. Oh, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so I press next, go next. Oh yeah, catch all of them. And so that's when I started um, creating the style color and shape studies. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a study that I am continually um, experimenting on because I don't like to say it's complete. It's never complete for me in artwork is always continuous as well yeah how incredible it's like a gift from somewhere yep, yep. something happened it's <laughs> like serendipity isn't it yeah definitely and then yeah. you just looked in a different way at what you were creating mm, yeah and it's so beautiful the way all of those shapes are sort of overlapped like you said yeah. and sometimes there is there is a bit of translucency through it yeah. you can see through some color or it looks like you can but Probably they're actually just different colours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's but you a, get yeah. a feeling because maybe you're just changing the tone or, or the, yeah, the yeah, tint. Yeah. And uh, they're so beautiful. And Thank I love you. too the way you 
I mean, it's not always like this, but sometimes your edges are quite um, rough, mm, mm. which really reminds me of collage. It starts to feel quite collage-like in a way, like ripped paper almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what have you thought about that, or is that something that just happened? Yeah, that's definitely um, going back to the organic style that I had in my honours degree. So even though all that struggle that I had at that time, not knowing, it morphed all the ideas that I had back then into my style now. So instead of having straight lines where the colours connect um, together and overlay together, come together, I wanted to actually create a frequency through the colours and how they connect. So I don't like the straight line. I don't really like perfect things, <laughs> especially in my canvases. They have to be a little bit um, edgy. They have to be a little bit rough. So that idea came from a frequency of how the colours would talk to each other and morph together and connect just as nature connects through the palette and then the palette connects through the artwork mm. and the artwork connects through the audience. So it was one of those things that was natural and I liked the edge of the brush and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't like the straight line. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> it looks so good. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. It's yeah. really, it's a lovely addition to the paintings. Mm, yeah. Yes. And so going from the Bradley Lane project, you've spent a few years working alongside them and still working full time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then what happened after that? So, yeah, so I was doing Bradley Lane, so it would be every year on the weekend, um, make sure I get time off work to, to do and participate um, and look after the artists. So the year that it ended was pretty much COVID. So after that, I moved down to New Plymouth and just found my new home there. Um, a lot of quiet space, um, a lot cheaper as an artist as well. Um but I think I found my practice more so when I moved down and that's when the organic ideas came through my artwork when I lived down there and a lot of ways of how to create new artwork with the same design. So I would make, I can actually make now 10 different artworks from one design, just making it a little bit different, just getting a little bit intricate. So Doing all of that and moving down really helped for my practice. So I think that has just made it what it is now. Mm. Yeah. And so that sort of helped you get a feeling of momentum. Was that mm. was would have been helpful in your practice, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I never knew how to really see a, can, um, a palette as a canvas. I never really thought about that. And one of the guys in Bunnings um, – down in New Plymouth, he said, why don't you just use 50 by 50 framing and frame the back, take the legs off? And I was like, oh, never thought about that. Because <laughs> mm. I was going to buy all this expensive um, sort of framing um, that they have, the nice framing that they have in the um, in the clean section. So he said, oh, why don't you grab this 50 by 50 and it's cheaper and I'll give you a discount and you sort of lift, looked after me at that point and um, yeah it just went from there and it was just that one suggestion mm. and um, I go back to him and I say thank you and he goes mate you done it so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you, you came up you done right. the idea yeah. yeah so you um, it was was quite a sort of 
there was a little bit of a break from those palettes and then you sort of came back mm. because you were looking for a surface to paint on but yeah. you not you weren't interested in canvas i just never i just never really liked the idea of buying something that's really made i really like making my own things um even with the palettes like after honors like i made a sort of like a coffee table out of a palette real heavy but it was worth it yeah <laughs> where the legs would flick out and so the, then they'll cut back in, in and yeah. then fold in yeah and then you can put it to the side so i think i really missed that over the years when i wasn't doing it and i missed really putting things together and creating these little um, artworks and i was like oh that's what's missing I've got this I've got this sort of idea and I need a I love wood. I love the organicness of wood. And mm. it's cheaper as well. Mm. If you create your own canvases and they are heavy, so they'll last for years. Yeah, mm. and you are recycling, which is a good thing. Yeah. So you are inspired by things like um nature, as mm. you mentioned. Yeah. So it's sort of nature in, in all aspects. Mm. Um and that does actually inspire you to create these amazing colorful abstract artworks mm. so what is the connection there yeah i think the artwork sort of um over time i i do have one style where there are certain colors and i call them the primary colors that is my style with the black uh, black backdrop and so that's like blue green yellow red um and then black and white so those are my that's my primary style so nature has actually forced me out and and get into different color tones different textures um, and really look at nature as an artwork and embed that into my style of painting so really looking at what i see and painting what i see for the viewer and how i see nature well if i see the ocean there's different color tones that I can see that maybe other people won't. So I can paint it mm. and give them that sort of aesthetic feel and a contemporary sort of look on the canvas, yeah. which looks rough. And people go, oh, wow, that's a little bit different. And I just, yeah, I look at color a little bit different too. Mm. <laughs> and I look at color as one of the most prominent parts in everyday life. You look at if you're surrounded by yellow or blues and all that stuff, you kind of feel happy inside. You feel a bit flowy. If you're surrounded by red and black, it, it can be a bit misty and can go into the world of um, spiritual world, which is red, um, black and white, which that represents as well, but also purple. So you've got to mix it and you've got to know what your artworks are actually saying as well. Mm. Yeah. And are the co uh, the colours are obviously connecting with the things that inspire you, but are the shapes as well? Yeah, definitely the shapes, yeah. I think the shapes create the artworks as well. They give that structural purpose for, the, for my abstract artwork. Um, I can get a bit crazy with my experimental artworks, and I still do that on the side. Um, that is more freeing where... My style that I have now is actually constructed by design and by format a little bit. But still, when I go to paint, 
I give myself freedom. If something doesn't work out, I have to cross it out. And if it's too playful and it doesn't make sense, okay, no, I can't do that. <laughs> so you give yourself a little bit of freedom, but also that that structure is there for a reason mm. for your style to stand out as a purpose. Yeah. So beautiful. And from that time, which was kind of the beginning of COVID times, like mm. you said, 2021 sort of yeah. time, have you pretty much stuck with painting on wood or are you doing a variety of surfaces yeah i do i do quite a bit um i think a lot of it was going back to the canvases for a long time yeah i think about a i think a, over a year or maybe even two years of really knowing how to paint these styles on canvas and what they actually are doing with the canvas and vice versa what is the canvas actually helping the artwork or is it ruining it but actually help because you get these sort of creases in the palette that look like the palm of your hand. So the canvases were actually embedding sort of human nature as mm -hmm. well as natural um, aesthetics as well. So a lot of, for a long time, I wanted to do that specifically to work on canvas. And then I took outside to the urban environment, to wars, um, to the side of uh, dairy shops and stuff. So it became more of a experimental part when I went outside. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it really feels connected because it's sort of the palette has a kind of outside mm. urban industrial feel about it mm. anyway. Yeah. And mm. you've kind of been out in amongst it to retrieve these objects and bring it in and mm. so to me it has quite a, a strong connection yeah. to what you do outside yeah even yeah. though you might be creating it inside inside yeah yeah it's a it's it's an interesting point of view the outside inside world i can call it mm. you when you see outside you see what's going on inside and vice versa mm. when you see inside you see what's going on the outside so if you balance that world out um which my artwork has helped me through a lot of phases in my life, it, it really stands out and it really talks to a lot of people. A lot of people see different things that I never would really think of. Mm. And it's a great feeling that the practice, my practice, I let it speak for itself. I don't like standing in front of the work, even right now, um, you know, talking about it is a little bit different, but I think it's good to back yourself and give your artwork a voice yeah totally and you know what you're saying is very inspiring to the people listening because it's your special journey and mm. you know it's really interesting and so then you did quite a lot of group shows um in different galleries and places with mm. different sort of groups um and then in 2022 you had that amazing experience with the Scott Laurie Gallery, mm. and you were part of the Moana Artists Show. Yeah. So was that your first sort of dealer gallery show that you were part of? Yes, yeah. That was very interesting. I took that very seriously. <laughs> Even though it was a group show, I was like, okay, this is it. Um, something just said, yeah, you really got to take this seriously. You really, like Andy, uh, Lilia Suo, and Sefton, um, Rani, they went out of their way big time for a lot of us that were part of that show. And I saw it for what it is. Um, 
And I took that very seriously. I emailed back within a day or just made sure I was on time with everything, um, as, as I always have been. But this, this time was just a little bit different. And yeah, meeting Scott was a great experience as well. So getting them as a push to show my work was just really nice because I'm so used to just making it in my garage. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, putting it up on online and it was nice to bring it up to Auckland back to home and showcase it with other Moana artists. Mm. Yeah. And to feel um, sort of so validated, I guess, mm. from somebody like Scott who's so experienced in the art world. Yeah. And mm. then Sefton as well, who's such an amazing ambassador of, of young emerging artists. Mm. And lots of people actually is a big supporter of. Yeah. So that must have been very exciting. What kind of work did you make for that? So that was Purple Hearts. I think it might still be up on Scott Lowry's website. So, yeah, that was very um, intricate, that work. It was a lot of purple tones. And I felt like making a purple work for some reason. Um, but it spoke more when I embedded the frequency lines as outlines and with metallic. So the lines actually shine and talk through the work. They don't interrupt it as much. But the tone, tonal range that they had was so cohesive that I didn't even really see it until um, Andy and Sefton pointed it out. Like, do you know what you're doing here? <laughs> I said, oh, I just kind of mimic grass <laughs> or mimic a frequency line that I feel with listening to a certain song. So the line connects and going back to the organic style as well. So there was that piece and also a small miniature piece, which was um, which was a replication and mimic of nature itself and different textures and mixing of paint. Quite experimental, still with my style, but really um, balanced. So both artworks were balanced, but very different to mm. each other. Yeah. How great. And that yeah. did that make you feel that you were starting to make it as an artist? <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those things that when you're showing in a contemporary space in such a great gallery like Scott, it surprises you how your work stands out big time compared to how it looks when it's in your garage. Mm, such a different context. Yeah, yeah, very different context. And it's... It's a great feeling and I suggest it to all artists that if you can be part of a group show, even if it's not for you, just see if it is. Just be part of a group show at a whatever type of space and see what your artwork looks outside of your home because um, it gives a different feel. It mm. definitely does and people get to see the world that you're creating as well. And it's, um, They can give you a little bit of answers or suggestions that you may not see it's not like a critical point of oh no you shouldn't paint that it's actually like you should do more of this why mm. is this only one you're doing you know so a, a lot of people have said that and it was a great show because you met all the artists as well we all met each other <laughs> so yeah it was a great connection that we all needed and yeah. the Moana artists was, was people from the sort of Pacific and New Zealand region wasn't it yeah, 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 yeah. So good. And then um, nice to also for you to see your work kind of 
interacting with other works. Mm, mm. Did that sort of feel different to you? Yeah, it was interesting because I didn't realise that I would be um, painting with Laura uh, with the recent exhibition that we yeah. had with Scott Lowry Gallery. So Laura was in that group show and not knowing, like, I, he had his piece and he had purple tones within his work. So it was quite balanced um, piece and the way um, Andy and Sefton curated it was quite great you know, with the colour tones and mm. the matching of colours and um, yeah it was really interesting perspective to see that yeah, mm. yeah. and so good for you and your career to be backed by somebody of that sort of calibre mm. yeah, you know who's definitely. so well respected in the New Zealand art world yeah yeah, yeah well definitely. done and then you did a a mural on the wall in the Scott Laurie Gallery, didn't you? Mm, yeah. So when was that? Was that after that show? So that was, so had the Moana show. And so after that, that was the main focus for me. And after that, I went to uh, Graffiato Topol. So it was one of the artists in the Topol lineup for 12, about, I think, 12 to 13 artists. Yeah. So, um done that and done the massive mural that I had there and met up with a lot of um, friends that I haven't seen in years and artists that I've always um, seen online like Cut Collective so met them in person and Elliot Francis Stewart, Malaki um, and then saw my best friends including Conrad so just a really great space to be in mm. so going from I like that balance that you can you can take your practice or with me, with my practice, I can take my practice and go from a contemporary space into the urban environment because it's well balanced. They both speak to the inside outside world. So it was nice to be part of that. And when I finished the mural and posted it up, then the conversation happened with Scott Lowry. So it was a bit, um, it was a bit different because I wasn't too sure how, my artwork would come about in a contemporary space. I wasn't too sure because I've never really done it. I've only really um, experimented through honours degree and through that experimentation wasn't really a great outcome. So in my head I was like, oh, is he sure you want to? Mm. <laughs> but knowing Scott, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and is, was he looking at the murals that you'd been making and he wanted something like that? Yeah. Is that yeah. what he was thinking? So he actually gave us the freedom. He said, we've got two walls. You've got this side, Sean. Lowe's got that side. So you, I'm not going to ask you for a certain style. You paint the style that you want and you do what you want. And I'm happy with whatever you two do. And then we had uh, John Bailey, which was in the main area. But he was um, more paintings, framed beautiful pieces as well. So it was three different generations. So me being young and then Laura being um, a teacher as well. And then John Bailey being a senior artist. So it was a great cohesive mm. balance in the conversations that we all had throughout. Even I think it was only five days that we were painting really. Yeah, wow. so the conversations that we had there were really interesting and um, talking to each other, knowing about each other's background, practice, um, 
how each other thinks. So me and Laura were having conversations and, oh, how do you do this? And blah, 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 back and forth and really supporting each other. So it was a great experience rather than, oh, you come and paint your wall, paint mine. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know Scott is not like that. No. Looks after everyone, makes sure everyone gets along and goes ahead. But even with the conversation with Scott, I had a little bit of hiccups as well. Um, mistakes that he corrected and I liked that as well what do you mean mistakes yeah there were just things that I experimented a bit too I went a bit too um, outside of the box and in the actual painting yeah the actual painting yeah so went a bit outside and didn't make sense Um, at that time I didn't really see it I was in a good headspace but it was nice that Scott was like really critical thinking. He said, you've got to make sure that your artwork is as though you're dropping your first album. So you've got to look at it and make sure they read it from left all the way to right. Because if they are reading it from right to left, it's kind of like they're reading an Arabic language. So they, in Arabic language, he told me that they read from right to left. So he said, you can need to make it really cohesive really need to make this really top tier and I know you can do it but just you don't need that part just focus on everything else and come back and paint over it so that conversation was really nice and I'm really used to that and I think I've been happy going through university with critical critiques and I can take that on board straight away and I said yep cool I changed it yep that's really interesting (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some artists would not like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was much needed, though. Um, especially for me, I like that. Not like, as you said, a lot of artists don't like that. But for me, you need to be as open as you can be in order to work with people really well. That tell you not only make great connections, but you are really showing the different side of you as an artist. Mm. Not, oh, this is my work, I want to do it this way. you got to be a little bit, um, you can't, you, you just can't back off away from someone's suggestion, that's what I feel, and you can't take it personally because they're wanting the best out of you. Mm. That's the way I saw it. I saw it straight away. I, I knew, and having conversations with Scott prior to that, he always wants that. That's the best outcome. If it's critical, it's the best thing for you and don't take it on don't let it get to your head <laughs> yeah and just have fun with it and go okay yep cool i'll change it yep. yeah and it's such a different process actually creating something straight onto the wall mm. in a gallery which is you know a well thought of beautiful gallery mm. run by a very experienced person like scott um it's quite different to bringing in a painting and giving it to the gallerist and they put it on the wall. It's yeah. quite a different process. Yeah. And it could <laughs> could be challenging, I imagine. And so what was Scott's purpose for getting you to actually paint onto the wall of the gallery? I mean, obviously you can't sell mm, the painting. Mm. So what was he what was he thinking? So it was quite spontaneous um with the thinking he got us in, um got us cleared and he said, here's the dates and, um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And 
and then I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really keen. I'm really keen. I've got a, you know, spot in the main area with another artist that I've seen around and because me and Laura didn't know each other at that time. So I said, yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> I said yes to it. And um, the conversation actually with with how we were going to sell it was prints. But that was um, halfway through or just the week before. So sorting that out. And that's what became the idea of it. But the whole purpose was to give us a space where we could paint whatever we wanted. And he has all these connections that can give us a bit more um, of a open appeal to whether it's other galleries, whether um, other artists, other collectors, whoever would come in. That was his purpose to give us that push for our career to take off and very thankful for that as well because mm. a lot of the things that are coming up is because of that as well. And Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and I know my for not myself but Law as well and I – Hinted at law, like I overheard something, <laughs> but you know, I and I don't even say what um, the opportunities I have because it's still in the works, but mm. it's a lot of great um, personal projects that will be coming about mm. from it. Yeah, that's so, really exciting. Yeah, yeah, well done. Mm. That and it's so sort of gracious and generous of, of Scott as a gallery owner and a gallerist to. You know, create these opportunities for young artists, and not not just young artists, for artists in New Zealand, mm. and um, get behind them so much because you know yeah. that's often just what an artist needs—just that little bit of a push. Yeah, and um, that can change your career. Mm. Yeah, yeah so definitely. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How amazing. <laughs> the mural at the gallery was how long? It was about eight meters long. And by 2.6 from what I remember here. Wow, that's yeah. long. Yeah. And uh, how did what was the process in creating that? That was actually going to be from top to bottom. Um, but then we had to really look at the plan of the plugs at the bottom and have a bit of space, breathing space for the mural. And that actually really worked well because throughout that process of measuring it out, and lining it up my work is usually outdoors from top to bottom or bottom to top mm. um, covered the whole wall entirely and this was interesting to create a work where it floats and um, it floats in time and it's a sort of time capsule and the frequencies that were embedded and all the etching lines and frequency lines throughout the work were actually like a cohesive piece where they were morphing it but also moving so they were getting out of the frame but also they were stuck there <laughs> so it's sort of stuck in time but a lot of it was um a lot of it came down to the title of the work was synchronicities so it's a study by dr carl jung and so synchronicities come from comes from a greek term which is sin together and then chronos is time so what i really wanted to do is embed synchronicities as everything that i see within nature uh, within my sort of career and synchronize it as an artwork 
and formulate it as a piece of painting that floats on the wall rather than it's trying to be a mural. It becomes the artwork. So Synchronicities was a great title for that. And that's sort of personal um, research that I do. So embedded really well, yeah. Mm. Mm. And I can imagine that, you know, it was, would have been quite diff- different for you to kind of approach it like you would an outdoor mural, but mm. to have those differences and to make it like a contemporary artwork in a gallery rather than a, a mural outside. Yeah. But it has, you know, the synchronicity again, you can see. Mm. But it's, yeah, like we said before, taking it into a different context yeah. is actually interesting. And and having those prints made would have been beautiful. Yeah. They would have made amazing prints. Yeah, yeah. So see how they come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely, um, definitely keen to see them and um, see how they are embedded from a wall to a print yeah because exactly. i've never really done that process myself mm. as an artist but that might be another form of synchronicity yeah taking yeah. it to the next level yeah yeah but it does kind of connect too with the work that you do on clothing and mm. to me it's it's kind of has a little bit of a parallel there yeah yeah and did you actually draw up on, with pencil or something draw your lines first and then come back and fill them in yeah so that that was all um spray paint just because it's quite quick I, I do it out, outdoors. So when I line up work, it's quite quick with the spray paint. And it's easier to see where what lines I need to colour in. If I'd done a pencil vivid, it would just be a bit too tedious. Spray paint just line, line, yep, boom, 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 yep, cool, okay, cool. Because I know how to warp my designs mm. to fit the... Um, the scale that we have mm. yeah and do you draw it first on a piece of paper or do you have it on a computer and transfer it or are you just going free f- free flow straight into the wall so it is definitely structured first yeah design um but just because i need to see how and what i can change and how i can change it when i'm in the space because it always changes Every single design changes um, when I'm in the space, but I need to have a structured format that goes from start to finish. And from there, I can be a bit more playful and experimental. So that mm. helps always. Mm. Yeah. yeah, It's fascinating. And it was really very cool, amazing work. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. So how do you bring your Samoan culture, being part Samoan, part New Zealander? Yeah. How do you bring your Samoan culture into your work? Yeah, so that, that's, that's at times uh, w- when I feel like I need to drift off from brighter colours and not more or less not go into um, darker tones, but it's more or less tones that are really organic, like wood, um, textures of the siop, which is the tapa cloth, siop or tapa cloth, and embedding that into artwork and my style that I do I can use different tones of brown and then the clay that is created to create the um, designs on the seapple so it, it's a lot of embedded to I do that every now and then just because I just need that freedom from always doing abstract art to bring in a deeper meaning and context to one piece of artwork but it still correlates to all my other designs, mm. yeah, yeah. And do you see your own culture through the more sort of colourful, abstract works, or is it not 
really part of the story? Um, it is. It is at times personally part of the story, but I don't uh, try and bed it into the work, um, just because I I like that personal journey through my heritage. For me, I, I'm still going through it as well. Still getting close to it. Um, as part of the abstract world, is that's my go-to with the world that I see, and I just want people to experience a really abstract parallel world that is attainable visually and it becomes a visual language for people and I'm not trying to tell a story I'm letting the story being told through each individual mm. so the Samoan my Samoan heritage and culture is deep within me it definitely is there I bring it out when it needs to be but so far as the work um, the work needs a voice as well yeah beautiful so I'm really interested to know when you are marketing yourself, like on Instagram <laughs> and <laughs> on your website, you use the word anomaly in mm, different ways. Yeah. Can you tell us about that and how that works? Yeah, so that came, that's going just a little bit back to my teacher, um, Lara Sexton. She was like, oh, why don't you have an artist name? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't even know if I want to be an artist. <laughs> So she said, oh, she looked at my work and she goes, oh, do you know what anomaly is? And I said, no. And she goes, oh, it's a description of something deviant from reality, any shape or form. So scientists, you hear scientists use it and they use it quite constantly on describing something that they see that doesn't look like an asteroid out of space. What is that anomaly? So mm. anomaly came from that point and that point on I still use it just to embed it into my work it doesn't always have meaning but it is meaningful but then it can be meaningless to some people so it's quite a unique balance and mm. it's also different it's not your usual um, abstract playful work it is structured but then I use you know really unstructured canvases Mm. So it's a really balanced world, and that's why I still place the anomaly word there. Yeah, yeah I like it. It's very different. Mm. It brings something different Thank you. to what you're doing. And I know you have a website. What is the um, website address? Uh, Sean, S-E-A-N, anomaly, A-N-O-M-A-L-Y.com, yeah. <laughs> and that website is great. It's a really good place to see um, some of the work that you've done. Mm. But it does say on there, don't get in touch with me through the website. Find me on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so is that your preferred platform? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's just easier just because I can see who I'm talking to, mm. um, vice versa. But I do definitely am on um, email, but... There have been issues in the past. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's much more instantaneous <laughs> yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how do you actually go about selling work or how have you in the past? How do you make an income? So it's just mainly the shows that I've been part of as well and the work sells itself. It, it, it's, been a, it's been an interesting journey and it's still starting as well. So... I don't really make work to sell it, <laughs> um, if that makes sense. And um, if other artists relate to it, I make work just because it feels right. 
um, internally and to express what's going on inside. And if someone correlates with that and they want that in their house, then by all means, it's it's all there. Um, but so far, and getting into back into garments and clothing design, so that's just the easier way because not everyone can afford mm. an artwork, um, especially in these times. So going on to garments and having that um, perspective there and hats and um, clothing as well, mm. that's also available for people so they can be a walkable artwork. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. And that's you can buy through Instagram? Buy yeah, those yeah. Products. Instagram and um, on my website. So everything I always upload on there. Mm. I'll be uploading more. So I think that's a um, quite good go-to and easier way for people to see if they're interested or not. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. And, um, you know, you are interested in lots of different things and have different sort of ways of working with your mm. graphic design and your sculpture and your painting um, and your outdoor work and your indoor work. And mm. so you you are quite, you do have quite a varied, amazing practice. Thank you. What <laughs> are you thinking about at the moment and sort of where do you think you're going to be heading in the future? Yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of things at the moment and how my work can be not flat canvases and I want them to be movable pieces. Um, so there's the idea of architecture as well and sculpture. Um, just how to do it from my small sculptures that I create from off-cut pieces of wood and how do I create them bigger or sort of desk size or sizes of your front door and that height. Um, it's getting into that and they're more or less painterly, uh, painterly sculptures which are more playful um, a lot of pattern work, which is from um, the pattern ideas from the glitches that I've had. And so embedding a little bit of abstract forms that correlate, but I didn't do it on purpose. They correlate to the Samoan yeah, tattoo, so mm. where, where the tattoos are done on the thigh and Samoan. So they are abstract forms of that. I only saw that after painting them. And someone even said that too. And I was like, oh, I, yeah, I guess it relates. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so good. And they, I love those. They're kind of stacked, aren't they? Mm, those yeah. pieces, which yeah. we'll put on your blog post so people can have a look. Yeah. And they, I just, I love that kind of thing. I think I love stacking mm. sculptures. And you can imagine them just being massive in a, like a sculpture park or something mm. like that, like yeah. totally oversized. Yeah. And exploring yeah. different materials and yeah yeah definitely yeah that's that's definitely in my vision to have them as a park and where people can climb on them and it's really big instead of sculptural pieces that you oh it's a sculpture and you can't touch it mm. I want it to be um, embedded into the community where it can be a playful fun playground but it's uh, artwork as well yeah yeah brilliant yeah I love that idea and where can you see yourself in 10 years time Probably doing a lot of things that I've never thought of. Um, what I can see myself doing right now visually is architecture and how to embed that into the future and video work as well. So with my practice and how to make that available online 
um, always also going to have always the painting perspective, the manual, the labour that will always be there. But ten years, I think I'll still be as ambitious as I am right now, um, and still really well connected to bringing in ideas not for just for myself and my practice but for the community and other artists so opening that world that other people can see for themselves yeah that's really very cool i love that oh well Um, we need to get on to the questions because we have been going longer than we expected (laughs) as always happens so um first question what would you say to your younger artistic self Keep going, yeah, don't give up, um, and back yourself, yeah, always, yeah. And who are your favourite artists and why? I do look at artists that are overseas, so um, Revoc, so he's a post-vandalism artist, he's come from a graffiti background, still does it, one of the best in the world, um, and he's a contemporary painter, he uses a mechanical um, spray paint machine which is multiple cans and so they go around in a circle but they create these um, sort of synths of lines but they are really embedded well and the colour coordination is really amazing and then we got uh, Sabre which is graffiti as well but he is also just really raw and edgy um, everything that he's made has been from his sicknesses that he's gone through in life and he expresses it through his artwork. So it's a really nice correlation. And um, Gaudi, um, so, you know, his architecture builds are amazing as well. So it's a lot of interesting stuff that you can see from past artists and how they are really influential to the world right now and how they actually saw probably a thousand years ahead of the world that they were living in and I think having that perspective and those artists is interesting yeah yeah so interesting Mm. and probably you can see the influence and you know how they how they inspire you through your your Mm. work as well yeah with the architectural connections and the graffiti connections (laughs) and the color yeah and um as an artist what do you think is your biggest challenge Oh, I think that's a hard one. Um, I think the biggest challenge is always wanting to do more um, when everything that you do is enough. Um, Even if it's a group show, that's a lot to do to make artwork. But my challenge for myself is a lot of it comes from the thinking and how to get the thinking out of my of you know thinking too much (laughs) so to actually stop thinking and just create so that challenge will always be there but i think i'm doing a little bit okay with it i mean i'm just exploring and experimenting with everything so i'm slowly moving out of that thinking world and creating more yeah and what drives you to make the kind of work that you make work um mainly because i just i haven't seen it by other artists as well so 
embedding the frequency lines in all these sculptural works and architecture um, research and also research on the psychic world and the psychic realm and embedding that into the practice and making it a massive spiritual journey I think that that's something that pushes me to make more things that are quite talkative to and have a massive conversation to nature and how we can actually look at nature as a piece of artwork every day <laughs> yes and so it is mm. well very good answers and um i guess we better wrap it up it's raining outside once again mm. nearly dark but we've got the doors open which is nice might yeah. have been able to hear some of the rain and the trucks outside yeah but um, thank you very, very much for coming to have a chat to me. And mm. um, I know that the audience will have found what you had to say really interesting, as mm. I have. Yeah. And uh, you're a very inspirational person, and I look forward to seeing you in 10 years' time on mm. the podcast again, <laughs> telling me what you have achieved, which mm. I'm sure will be huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And thank you for having me. And I do want to th say thank you to Sefton as well, to pushing me to do this so it's really nice and thank you for having me yeah it's you're been nice. very welcome <laughs>